0: Wait is over. Over. Ladies and gentlemen from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to the Binge Buster Show on this beautiful snowy day here in North Carolina. And I thought, what better day to catch up on my podcast and on a nice snowy day but i can't do that until i bring on my co-host i'm talking about mr rock and roll playboy plano chris what is going on
0: oh terrific tony thank you for having me another podcast it is snowmageddon here in the carolinas our first measurable snow in three years here in the charlotte metro area and uh, everyone's fired up and excited and uh there's a lot going on in professional wrestling, NFL football, playoffs, the weather, you name it. What pot uh, What uh, pot on the stove do you want to stir next? It's kind of uh, my motto.
1: Man, I'm telling you, there, there's so much going on right now. And, uh, Chris, I was actually considering before the snow came, Uh, I was going to buy tickets because you know how much I like going to see our Charlotte Checkers play their hockey. I was going to go down there this afternoon to the uh, show, but I I held off on buying tickets. And, man, I'm glad I did because we are getting pounded here in North Carolina with some snow and some ice. Uh, Right now, I look out my window, it's sleeting and snowing at the same time. So I'm glad that I am in the comfort of my beautiful podcast studio uh, where it's nice and warm, having a nice cold drink, and talking to my 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 good buddy Chris Plano, and man, we are going to be talking some cool stuff today uh, here on the show.
0: Absolutely, looking forward to it. And uh, like I said, it's uh, we, we we're carving some time out, and uh, boy, Tony, there's just a lot a lot going on, and um, you know I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm just excited to see some some snow here in, in the Carolinas. you know me, I'm from Connecticut originally up north. So anytime I see snow down here, it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, extra fun for me and reminds me, uh, as a kid back up north, you know, way back in the day.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it's funny to me, I, I was talking to, I took my son out earlier today and, uh, Chris, we get a chance. You need to go look at my Facebook video, uh, I took a nice bump. So me and my son are outside um, and my wife and, and our dog were out, out back and my son wanted to get on the trampoline. I thought, okay, we'll do that. So I'm doing a Facebook live video with my phone in my hand. I'm climbing up onto the uh, trampoline and right oh, wow. as I step into the trampoline, boom, man, my feet go up and under me, I land. Uh, but at the same time, my wife was also doing a Facebook live video, which I didn't know. And on my on my view, all you see is me go up and you know you, you see the phone go up and you are looking at the sky all of a sudden and you hear me laughing. But from a wife's video, it's even funnier because she got the whole bump man. She got me going wiping out and she's laughing. And, man, every time I, I've watched it ten times and every time I've I've laughed harder. So so it's, it's it's a good laugh. So if you're friends with me on Facebook, go out there and check that out. It's pretty funny. Um, but. Uh, Chris, you're talking about you know how how great things are right now. Uh, it's a good time now to be a pro wrestler. Uh, wrestling's really starting to take off. Uh, it's almost, Chris, it's almost to the point where it seems like the independent scene is uh, is on fire uh, versus the the mainstream. Now, I know uh, I'm not knocking the the big guys at all, but I'm just I'm just watching. It seems like there's more people. Uh, going out and uh, attending these independent shows rather than the mainstream. What what, what what are your thoughts on that, Chris?
0: Well, Tony, I think there's a couple of things going on here, really. And, and you know, we've always talked uh, on here, you know, on and off about the COVID-19 pandemic as well. People are looking to get out. People want to get out. They want to be entertained at some level, whatever that level is or that interest is for them. It is what it is. But I think people now are also watching where they're spending their money, how much they're spending, where's the right price point for a particular individual or family. So when you look at the independent wrestling scene and there's something coming to town of entertainment and it's it's priced at a good price point for someone to get out, be safe, go back home, I think there's a window of opportunity for the independent wrestling team to capitalize on what's happening in what is really a more bigger picture in the real world. Now that's just me talking from afar, but I think it's definitely playing a role in the decisions of what people are making where, hey, maybe I can't go to a WWE show or an AEW show with a family of four and spend, you know, forty, fifty dollars, sixty dollars on tickets plus merchandise and food and beverage. And, and you, Tony, you've been there, you know how it goes.
1: Oh yeah. So, yeah.
0: You know, I think, so I think you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, and I think the independents have an opportunity to cash in on something locally if they could find the right markets and, and towns, you know, to hit.
1: Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent, Chris, because it's like, um, you know, right now the, um, you know, ticket prices for everything is just insane. Just like, you know, I messaged you earlier in the week, and I'm like, Chris, uh, Bon Jovi's coming, man. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And then I see how much the tickets are, and I'm like, well, Chris, I've never seen Bon Jovi. I probably never will at that, at that price.
0: Well, here, here's something else I've never seen, ever, ever. Now, I've seen this on StubHub and some third-ticket marketplaces and stuff, and maybe I'm a little behind on the curve on some things, but on the Ticketmaster website for Bon Jovi, and I don't want to go – Take it away from wrestling here. It said his ticket prices may fluctuate city to city based on demand
1: at any time. Right. I'm like, but I, but I, okay. I, but you know what, Chris? <laughs> I, I don't think it's as much demand as it is the people that are buying the tickets and reselling them and marking them up. I, I mean, I, I really, right. you know, I miss the days of the '80s when you when you went to the Ticketmaster booth. You bought your ticket. You paid twenty bucks or whatever the price was, and you went home. And then a month later, you went to the show. Now I'm, it's like you have to get online early on. You have to have some kind of code to get the uh, tickets at a discount price. And if right. you and if you don't buy the tickets the day they go on sale tomorrow, guess what? That 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 forty five dollar ticket is going to be three hundred bucks easily.
0: Absolutely, you know. I, I remember the days, Tony. Where sometimes I would sleep out at a Ticketmaster outlet. It'd usually be like maybe um, a record store or, or or some kind of store, maybe a Walmart. I would sleep in the parking lot all night till they opened up at ten a.m. It was actually exciting.
1: Yeah, to
0: yeah. do stuff like that.
1: Yeah, for or get sure. in
0: line at the crack of dawn for a few hours. Now that's all passe now, and it's like they, they've taken kind of the fun out of it. Of of when you had that ticket in your hand and you paid for it and you walked away and you had chills going up and down your spine, saying, "Oh my God, I'm in the." Sh-. I mean, it was like it was that was great stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but too yeah. bad that too bad that those days are are long gone. Chris. Yeah, now but I remember now, those
0: days so vividly.
1: Yeah, now <laughs> uh, you get to camp out in at in front of your computer and hope to get those tickets <laughs> when they go on sale. Um, well, you know, e- either way, it, either way, you know.
0: I, I there's hope. just so many factors now with mm-hmm. entertainment. Yeah. You got whether the show going to happen, cancel, postpone. Is it sold out, not sold out? Are they going to release tickets the day of? There's just so many factors now. And I, and I hate to say it, Tony, and and it's kind of sad in a way. Sometimes the luckiest fans are the ones that wait to the day of the show. Yeah. And they luck out with people with extra tickets or they find tickets online at the last second at a great deal, so it, it's kind of, in a way, it's just a roller coaster ride of of how bad do you want the ticket? I think at the end of the day,
1: yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. That's definitely it because um, you know th- this day in time, uh, you 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 if if you don't buy the tickets the day they go on sale, um, don't buy them. Uh, you know because you're 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 going to get you're you're not you're not you're not going to be paying. Uh, face value for those tickets anymore so right uh, but you know i'm I'm not knocking the guys that are making the money but uh you know i can see okay if if i buy a bon jovi ticket for 35 dollars i'm gonna sell it for 100 bucks i can see that but i can't see buying a ticket for 35 dollars and now it's listed for 350 dollars i mean that's that is, um, and, and Chris, what's so funny is years ago, that was illegal. You want, you weren't supposed to sell tickets for over face value. Now it's like, right. uh, now it's like, Oh yeah. E- even yeah. on the Ticketmaster website, you go on there, it says, uh, tickets, you know, the tickets may, may be more than face value, which, which happens to me most of the time. But, uh, anyway.
0: right now, now, you know, now everyone just turns a, a blind eye or, you know, or looks the other way. And it's like. You know, what's going on here? Like, what's really going on at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is what you say. But, yeah, back in the day, um, no, you did not, um, uh, you know, scalp tickets. Or if you did, you did it at a big risk. Now it just seems like the market's just
1: wide open. There's just oh, no yeah. rules. Oh, yeah. It's just whatever. Go, 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 go make your money. Which uh, I ain't going to complain because uh, a couple of years ago I bought some Motley Crue tickets uh, for the – for the show here in Charlotte that got canceled. And I bought those tickets for a certain amount of money. And I sold those tickets for probably three times more than what I paid for them. And then the crazy thing, Chris, uh, years later, a year later, the show gets canceled and Ticketmaster takes the money back out of my account. And I was not very happy about that. So, uh, right. so now I probably would never sell tickets again, but that's okay. You know, you live and learn, but you're kind of like, you're in a no win situation. No win. I'm just going to go. But, Unless you're going to physically use the tickets yourself. Yeah. But you know, uh, we, we got off the subject about ticket scalp and, and get this, uh, did you see Chris that Vince Neal talking about Motley Crue, Vince Neil mm-hmm. had a, his first show of 2022, uh, this past weekend. Did, uh, you happen to catch that?
0: I did not catch it. No, I did not. So, uh, fill me in. I um, did that. That one eluded I, me.
1: Yeah, I didn't see it. I think the. I, I can't remember wh- what state the show was in, but uh, from what people were talking, Vince was. Uh, he sounded good. It, it, it was. It was a good show, and uh, man, I, I know he's getting ready. And I saw that Nikki Six commented on his. Uh, or he he uh, sent a tweet out. And somebody asked him a question. Said, are, "Are we really going to see Motley Crue tour this summer?" And Nikki says, "A thousand percent, we are going to see Motley Crue this summer. They are going to be hitting the rehearsal studio at the end of um at, at the end of April, so they they you know they're, they're going to be ready to start their tour in June." And uh, Chris, I I I know I know you and I got tickets for the one in Charlotte, and we're going to be there rocking out, man. But you know, man. Yeah. Uh, on, yeah, on the, on the flip side, I'm excited about it, but in the same sense, I'm disappointed because I, I spent all that money flying out to L.A., seeing the quote, final show, and now here I am. I know. But on the, but on the other side, of it, as a as a Montcrew fan, I, I can look at it like this. I saw the last show, and I saw the reunion show. So here we go. That's, that's another way to look
0: that's at it. And, and, and again, we're talking about a tour that is now three years in the making here. Um, they were supposed to go out in what 2020, it didn't happen. 2021 didn't happen. Now we're on to, you know, Mick Mars is three years older. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is probably the last, this is it for the crew. I don't know if Mick Mars can go beyond this. Um, you, you know, nor did he plan (laughs) for, for this as well. Um, you know, I hope they pull out all the stops really. I hope all four bands pull out the stops that are on, this particular tour. It's much anticipated. Yes. We're in for the Charlotte show. Tony, you know, I've already told you that now they're opening up in Alpharetta right outside of Atlanta, which I I would love to to slip down there if I can make it work. And I think I can, I think it'd be Mm -hmm. great to go to opening night and uh, you know about Motley Crue's history in Atlanta. Um, But yes, it's probably the most anticipated outdoor tour of the summer. Yeah. Coming up, oh, amongst yeah. anything else that's going on, and um, so we'll see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, and I and I'm with you. I mean, he, the, the 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 show is so exciting for me on on many levels. Number one, I'm going to see Motley Crue. Number two, uh, I got floor seats and I'm on the fifth row in front of McMars, so I'm excited about that. But uh, I'm most excited that um, you know three three of my top. Favorite bands of all time are all are all playing on the same show: Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Poison. Um, but Chris, I may go, out, I may be going out on limb here, and you know I'm a diehard Motley Crue fan. But I'm gonna tell you, who's gonna steal that show? It's gonna be po- who's gonna, it's steal it. gonna be Poison, man, all all the way. Those guys have got so much energy; it blows me away.
0: Absolutely, no, 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 and and you know. You know, Brett has, and Poison has to realize here. We know Joan Jett's going on first. Actually, there might even be an opening band before Joan Jett, from what I have been reading, that's going to play very, very briefly around 4 o'clock. But then we all know Joan Jett's going first. That's not changing. Then it's Poison. You know, can Poison uphold the show on any given night, you know, for there a lot of time? Because then I'm, I'm presuming, Tony, if I'm not mistaken, you might be able to correct me, that Motley Crue and Def Leppard are alternating the headline city to city each night, is what I read. So yeah. they have an opportunity, Poison. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I would say they're well-rested. Poison hasn't been on the road in a good number of years. Yeah. Um, and, hey, it's
1: the original lineup.
0: I mean, so... And uh, yes. n- nothing taken away from Motley Crue either. Or, uh, no, and, and no not Leopard. at all. We know that's not, not the original all. lineup. But,
1: but, but I, you know, y- you and I both have seen Poison together, and we, we, mm-hmm. we've we seen Poison apart. But, uh, but man, every time I see him, it's like, Brett Michaels has got en- energy on stage that he just never stops, and CC's all over the place, and, and Bobby's over there, and, and Ricky's beating the crap out of the drums, and uh, just a lot of energy. So, um I'm I'm excited to uh to actually see how that uh, portrays, and I also uh, saw uh, or heard an interview the other day with Nikki Six where he said he would love to get back in the studio and do one more studio album with Motley Crue after this tour is over. So who knows what you know? Who knows what's going to happen? So uh, we're definitely going to keep an eye out for that and and see. Uh, now getting to pro wrestling, the last podcast that we talked about, I was heading over to the NAWA. For their annual bunkhouse yes. stampede, Chris, I came mm-hmm. up about two, two uh, inches, you know, too late for the uh, for the win. I got double teamed, got thrown out on top of another guy. Uh, but guess what? The NAWA, I, I, I complained and I argued with the promoter, and uh, and when in and uh, they have uh, told me that that uh, because I was one of the last ones in there in the bunkhouse that uh i've been made a the number one contender to that uh television title so uh there's a, still a good chance of me uh taking that belt home and posting it here on the podcast so uh in a few in the upcoming weeks fans i'll tell you more about that mm-hmm. so that's going to be exciting um but it, yeah it, it, i it, know
0: tony i know you were fired up and and Listen I heard through the grapevine that you even had maybe up to triple duty that that afternoon up in Lenora but I know you were so zoned in on the bunkhouse shot at some tag team title's opportunity and and whatever else was going on but um I know next time you're going to be ready and uh who knows I may have to show up You might, might maybe need someone in your car I mean, in your corner man, maybe you, next go around telling
1: you, Chris, that, that 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 would be awesome maybe that's what I need I, I need that extra support man <laughs>
0: Um, man so how was everything up there because i know those guys were fired up going into lenore and uh and i know they put on a great show
1: yeah it was a very good show we had a good turnout uh it wasn't uh as big a turnout as normal in the past but it was very cold that day and uh i think there 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 was like a, a, a there was something else in town that day as well but uh still had a good time i got to sit down and talk with the nwa legend uh tommy young for a little bit uh which i talked to him and and he he's agreed to come to the binge buster show so in the next few weeks we're going to have Tommy Young on here uh, I met uh, sat down and uh said uh, had a good conversation with my good friend Jimmy the boogie woogie man valiant um and then of course uh uh sat down and uh with with my good great friend Mr. Number One George South and he and I uh shared some uh, some good stories and uh I gave him some food and Man, we 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 just we just sit there and just talked about things and uh, man, you know, it it, it it I'll tell you a backstory which which is which is you know, a lot of people don't realize life in general is 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 special, but sometimes once once you get into the uh, fraternity of pro wrestling, uh, sometimes like for me especially, I sometimes I have to sit and scratch my head and pinch myself, go, man, is this really happening? Because you know, uh, I I, I, and I was telling George about this as well, but uh, the very first time that my father ever took me to a pro wrestling match, the opening match, the first guy, first wrestler ever saw wrestle live was George South, and in that match, uh, they went about probably eight to ten minutes, but it was George South against Rocky King in Greensboro Coliseum, and it, 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 it amazes me. Uh, that the the first wrestler that I ever met or that I ever saw wrestle live is now a great friend of mine, and we we sit and we and we, we share a lot of a lot of the same interests, and uh, it, it's just it's just amazing. I can't even explain it, and uh, and I'm thinking that uh, here in 2022, uh, I've I've had a, a lot of people ask me questions about my wrestling career and how I got started and all this kind of thing, and and I know sometimes on the podcast I touch a little bit. But uh, the month of February uh is gonna be uh our guest we're gonna, we're gonna have a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. For the whole month of February, he's gonna tell his life story of pro wrestling. and that guest is gonna be yours truly, Chris. Trivic Tony. I love it. I, I mean, you know <laughs> uh for for three years now I've been doing this podcast i've've I've had guests on the show and and they and they've told their story. Uh, right so I thought you know this is a bench buster show so let's let, let, I, I think I need to tell uh, my story a lot of people ask so do about I need it. to start
0: preparing some questions that what you're saying P- to me prepare <laughs> prepare Chris and, and 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 here's the thing
1: too fans this is one thing that I, that, I, that okay. I, I thought about this before I announced it but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything I'm gonna tell you the truth I'm gonna tell you about my flaws I'm gonna tell you about my my highs my lows and everything in between uh, for the whole month of February, so so four weeks, four shows. I'm gonna cram in, you know, 30 years of pro wrestling history of me, uh, and uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to to several people so that I, I can get their thoughts and their takes. And uh, but the month of February is gonna be Trivik Tony month, and we're gonna learn about my wrestling career. So that so that that's cool. I'm excited about that.
0: Well, Tony, I'm excited for you, and hey, whatever I could do to be a part of it, you know, I'm going to be there for you, and uh, it's going to be great. We're going to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's all I know. If I, if who is ever asking the questions, me, someone else, we're going to hear it all, and it's. And I know it's. I and I know when you answer the questions, it's going to come straight from the inside and straight from the heart, and you're going to. The people are going to hear what they want to
1: hear. Yeah, it's, it's it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. So, and who knows? Maybe I'll I'll get a few people to uh, you know call in and say a few things that that were actually part of my career, part of my my building foundation of becoming a wrestler. You never know. You just have to tune into the show to find out. Now, Chris, well, that takes us on to our next thing about our mm-hmm. podcast that we always like to talk about, and that is this week's flashback.
0: This week's classic flashback.
1: All right, fans. This is something that we haven't done in a while on the podcast, which is the flashback. And this week I want to talk about Chris. I know this, this part, po- this whole podcast, we've talked more about music than wrestling, but Hey, it's, it's my show. I can do what I want. So this week's classic flashback, uh, takes us to uh, mm-hmm. one of our favorite bands, uh, this month in history, Twenty. 20- 28 years ago, Motley Crue released their hit single, Looks That Kill. Um, I'm sorry, 38 years ago. 38 years ago. uh, Looks That Kill uh, was released by Motley Crue. Um, That song uh, was written by Nikki Sixx. It spent 10 weeks on the Billboard Top 100 charts. Uh, It peaked at number 54 and number 12 on the mainstream rock charts. Uh, the music video for that song was filmed at AM Records' main soundstage. It featured the band in a post-apocalyptic setting where th- they trap a group of women in a cage while performing the song. In the middle of the video, the warrior queen, who was played by Wendy Berry, uh, appears to release the women before co- confronting the band. The band follows her and surrounds her, but she disappears, leaving a flaming pentagram on the ground and... That video pretty much told told you, guys, leave the women alone because they will screw you up. <laughs> right, Chris?
0: Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, that video, all I can think is when you're saying, look, Secular, all I can think about is the MTV video. <laughs> yes. And Nikki yes. Sixx is like right there with the wide eyes right in with the guitar and it's like <laughs> that was it. I mean, that was like, I just remember that one particular scene and and um, <laughs> kind of like the rest of
1: history. <laughs> well, you know the, the the thing that I remember the most is when the band are each chasing you know chasing the, the queen you know th- through through a different area. <laughs> Vince Vince gets the closest to her. He gets her pinned in. He goes to put his hand on her, and she dips under him and she runs away. You know, and I'm like, man, th- this video is so cool. But Chris, you know the um, the first time I ever heard "Looks That Kill" was not on MTV. Um, it was on um, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling as Tully Blanchard was introducing his Perfect 10 baby doll, and they do this video, and they're playing Looks That Kill in the background, and I'm like, man, that song sounds freaking cool. And uh, who would have thought, man, 20, 30 years later, uh, that band would be my favorite uh, band. Now, Chris, at one time, I absolutely mm-hmm. I absolutely loved the song Looks That Kill. It, 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 for well, the longest time, it was my favorite Motley Crue song. But as the years went by, I felt like that song overplayed, overdone, uh, and I kind of got tired of it. But uh, now I'm starting to kind of, you know, like it again. And uh, that, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it on this week's classic flashback. Uh, but also, uh, I, I thought it would be it was it was great because you know it was it was the anniversary of when that video was actually released uh, on MTV, and uh, and and of course. Uh, we 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 see it was a pretty popular song. It made it up to the Billboard Top 100 charts of 1984. So uh, and during that year, Chris, we all know that heavy metal was really starting to rise. And um, you know you, you and, and of course during that time to, to really get uh, you know, to get seen to get noticed, you uh, had to you had to do something kind of out there. And definitely right. definitely Motley Crue's um, Looks That Kill Shout the Devil album got a lot of people's attention and uh to this mm-hmm. day to this day i don't care what anybody says i i think if you if you look at all of Cruz albums yeah dr feelgood was definitely their number one album uh you know it sold the most you know it, w- it went to the top chart but man uh, i think if they had released shout the devil in 1990 it would have been bigger than dr feelgood
0: Yes, I it, it, it had an opportunity too. I mean, both I mean both albums were mega albums for Motley Crue. I mean, they just got so many hits. I mean, just it, I mean the list goes on and on. But uh, I, and actually, I'm not gonna say "Look That Kill" is it might. I like I love the song. It's it's not my favorite song by any means. But hey, you know what, Tony? It's always in the set list. Oh always. yeah, I always. mean, if there's one staple in the set list that's one of them. And Motley crew has always moved songs in and out. And and you know, when it comes to, um, you know, 10 seconds to love, you know, some other things that they moved in and out, but that song has always been a staple, you know, you know since it, since it debuted.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's always you know, like, like you said, I've, I've seen Motley Crue a whole bunch of times. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen Motley Crue live. Uh, but I will tell you that, uh, Every time I've seen them, they have always, always played Looks That Kill. And I think they will always will. It's just one of those songs, man, that was like the foundation. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're going to always play Looks That Kill. They're going to always play Shout the Devil. Um, and every so often, you know, they'll uh, throw a deep cut in. Like like I remember, dude, when I went and saw them play on the Red, White, and Crew Tour, they, brought, they busted out uh, On With The Show, which I'd never heard live. I was excited about that. And then they um, uh, uh, louder than hell, which I never heard them play that live before either. And they, they they threw both of those in, and then those those two songs also carried into the final tour that that you and I went to see. Uh, but but by the time you know we get to the final show, they had um, cut a few of those songs out of the uh, uh, out out of the set list just you know to to help help conserve time because of. Tommy Lee's, you know, massive drum solo with on the on the with his ro- roller coaster. So, um uh, mm-hmm. but but definitely a staple and uh definitely a song that I think will uh, has definitely stood the test of time.
0: Absolutely and uh hey, I'm looking forward to them playing it uh on the stadium tour this year. I you, you know it's going to be in the set somewhere. Um and uh hey, Nikki's going to be it was his song, he wrote it. He's going to be jamming out on the guitar.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So that is going to be something cool to see here in the summer of 2022. Now to get to the main, the main part of our podcast, Chris. Uh, you know, usually every every show we we talk about uh, a a pay per view or an event or anything like that. I I think uh, one of the things that I like to talk about, and it's probably because I just got into to the collecting of it, but I like, I like to talk about what is your favorite all time. Uh, Championship built design. What what belt uh, that you, that you that you've ever seen that you said, oh my god, that is my favorite belt, bar none. Uh, what what is yours?
0: Boy, I mean, there's so many. There, there there's so many Tony, and to say that if I have uh, a, a a favorite, boy, I mean, you know, I gotta say, you know, I'm gonna say I, I've got two, okay. and really, you, you, you know. You know, growing up in the WWF, you know, territory up in Connecticut and up in the Northeast, you know, you know, the heavyweight championship for the WWF was was coveted. Um, You know, whoever was, was holding it, but, you know, and so it's always been a favorite of mine, whoever had the belt around their waist and that belt has evolved in in different looks, you know, especially when Hogan, um, you know, won the belt, but, you know, the one that just stands out to me is, 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 uh, you know, the NWA world heavyweight championship. I mean, flair, I mean, it just, it's just like, wow. When, you know, walking to the ring around the waist, it's like, that's the belt. Yeah. That, 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 that's it. I mean, that is the belt. Every wrestler wants, I mean, no, no matter what organization they're working for around the world and, and he wore it in a way where with the robes and and the hair and everything that this belongs around my waist. And, and so that's what I remember growing up, you know, you know, as, as a kid, it was like, wow, you know, that is the world, you know, heavyweight champion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and definitely that's probably been the belt that has been remade the most. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely. But, uh, I'm with you on that. Like I'm, uh, definitely the big gold that, that if you're if you're a belt collector that is the nickname of of that big the big gold belt that Rick Flair had uh you know he was the first one to hold it out so uh mm-hmm. but um it's called the big gold and uh it's been made you know, a lot a lot, of, a lot of a lot of copies have been made uh but in 1985 the, the, I'll give give you, give you fans a little history of this belt real quick but in 1985, Jim Crockett decided, hey, you know, we got the 10 pounds of gold. But uh, we're he knew that they were getting ready to just blow up on TBS. So mm-hmm. he, he wanted to get a new belt made. Um, so for years, you know, well, well from 1973 to 1985, uh, the Dome Globe, that's what, that, that's what that belt was called, uh, was held by a lot of guys like uh, Terry Funk and uh, – Rick Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, uh, and and tons of other guys held that belt, um, but in 1985, Jim Crockett felt like it was time for a change, um, and he decided that instead of calling Reggie Parks or uh, you know one, one of the classic belt collectors, he decided to to do something totally different. And Nelson Royal uh, actually owned a, a Western store right here in, mm-hmm. in my hometown of Mooresville, North Carolina. And, yep. um, and he, he done like a lot of, uh, he had a guy, uh, out, uh, um, he, he had a guy that, that actually made the little, the rodeo belt buckles and, uh, he, he was a silversmith and the, the gentleman's name was Charles, uh, uh And anyway, so Nelson Royal or Jim Crockett asked Nelson Royal to have this guy, you know, design a belt. And they originally designed the belt and had the NWA logo on it. And then Jim Crockett said, well, maybe, maybe we won't put the NWA logo on it. Let, let's, let's, let's leave that off. And then he decided, well, no, I don't want the belt. Well, Nelson Royal liked the way the belt was made. And he thought, well, you know, I'll just get the belt made anyway. And then, uh, and then once I do that, you know, if, if I ever you know, run a wrestling organization, I'll, I'll have this belt. And then once the belt came in, Jim Crockett said, "Oh my gosh, I love this belt!" So they had they had them make um, the Ric Flair uh, nameplate, and on the very first belt that was made, uh, they uh, actually spelled Rick's name wrong. They spelled it R I C K instead of R I C. Uh, but that belt uh, became very popular. It was made in 1985, and then over the years, uh, it was uh, definitely a uh, a staple in NWA wrestling. Uh, at the time, the original belt, uh, only a few actually held that belt. Ric Flair, um, Ronnie Garvin, and Dusty Rhodes. That was the that was, that was the three that actually had that belt um, or held that belt. And then, uh, of course, we all know um, in 91, when Flair had his fallen out with uh, with uh, with uh, Jim Hurd, he uh, went – took the belt and sent it up to WWF. Uh, Jim Hurd re- refused to give Ric Flair his $25,000 deposit. So Flair kept the belt and put it in the box and shipped it to Vince McMahon. Um, of course, then they, you know, after they went to court and Flair got his money mm-hmm. back, he got right. his money back plus interest. The belt was returned. Right. Uh, and then the belt was, was uh, reintroduced as the WCW championship. And that belt stayed there. And then when they when, when, uh, when, uh Vince McMahon purchased uh, WCW, he had another belt made, except this one had the WWE logo. And, Chris, that was kind of when it changed for me because I'm like, you know, I, it, it's hard seeing a WWE logo <laughs> on a belt that, that that was synonymous with the NWA.
0: Well, absolutely, yeah. And, and even awkward for the fans as well, especially the fans that were really in the know back then. as well. And, and that kind of, you know, we're not just the casual casual fans. We had definitely an odd time when it comes to belts and, and, and Hey, Flair was passionate, man. He was passionate. I mean, listen, whatever the deal was behind the scenes, he always, always respected the business. And he also didn't want to, you know, taint his reputation as well. I mean, you know, he was transitioning when the business as well, moving to the WWF. That was huge. When Rick, Flair went to the WWF, that was huge. I mean, that was big for professional. I mean, like he was not in WCW anymore and you know, whatever that, you know, there were several guys flocking back and forth, you know, from north, south, south to north, whatever it was. And so, Hey, but he, but he always protected the business first and foremost.
1: Yeah. That, that, that is for sure and uh I, I'll tell you if uh, you know anybody out there that, that wants to learn more ab- about the uh, the big gold belt uh, you can go on amazon and uh, you can uh, there's actually a book there written by Dick Bourne um, and and it pretty pretty much tells the whole history of the big gold belt uh of course he's he's, he's written other books about other championship belts, the the 10 pounds of gold, the uh, Mid-Atlantic title, uh, all those. And uh, and I actually, incidentally, uh, yeah, I'm a belt collector now. And uh, we, we've talked about this on a couple of shows, but um, the, the reason why I want to talk about this was I just recently accumulated a um, Reggie Parks. And if anybody knows anything about belts, Reggie, Reggie Parks is the gentleman that made a lot of belts for Crockett, WWF, you know, all the promotions that were, that were big time in the eighties and early nineties. Uh, if, if you saw their belt on TV, chances are Reggie Parks made that belt. And, um, even though Reggie didn't make the big gold originally, he, he did make a few, um, later on in the years. And I'm lucky enough. I have one sitting right here in my studio and uh, Chris, I just got this nice, uh, display case for it a couple of days ago. So I've got it displayed now and, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of getting ready to, to re revamp my studio. I, I got several belts. that i want to get them out displayed and, uh, hope hoping to get that done here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited about that. But if, uh, like I said, if, if, if you want to learn more about the big gold, go on Amazon and just type in big gold, uh, championship belt book, it will pull it up and, uh, I'll, I'll even put a link on uh, this week's podcast. So if anybody wants to go check it out, uh, you definitely can. So, uh, but man, Chris, I'm telling you what, uh, the, the, the belts. you know, I know a lot of times now on TV, all the belts look the same. There's different colored leather, but uh, nothing to me as a fan, uh got me more excited than to see turn on the TV each week and see if, if anybody had lost or won the belt, you know what I mean?
0: Right now, you know, now I mean, I don't know about me, you, Tony, but for me, it seems in some way shape or form everyone has a belt <laughs> that's <laughs> some true. way directly indirectly yes. semi directly however i'm talking here but it's like everyone's got a belt at at some juncture in in their career and, 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 and for some that are fortunate enough skill wise um, um multiple times so yeah. that's just me as i'm watching just the storylines and and how it plays out in in all the national organizations
1: yeah for sure so it's it's definitely a good time to uh to be a wrestling fan. Well fans, I think that's gonna wrap us up this week. Uh I'm a uh I think I'm gonna go play in the snow some more, Chris. What about you? What what are your afternoon plans?
0: Yeah, no, no, we're gonna watch this snowstorm pull out of here and uh Tony I actually heard I know we didn't talk about this early on, but they actually said there could be another big one coming here in about another six or seven days to the Charlotte area. They said this could be the big one from what I heard and uh we'll we'll see that. I know we'll have another podcast between now and then, but yeah, go have this day play out. And, um, but Hey, I know everything we talk about. It's always a great time to be a wrestling fan. And, uh, it's hot right now, the national scene, the independent scene and everywhere in between. And, uh, you know, this is it. And I can't, and listen, on a other note, I can't wait for Tommy Young to come on here. Because we're going to have to have some questions lined up, Tony.
1: Oh, man. We definitely are. <laughs> hey, oh, my God. I already know. Hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him off the air before we talk about it. But I have yeah. got to ask him. I'm not going to give it away here on the podcast today. But I got to ask him about the infamous spot from Kid 86 You know what I'm talking about, Chris. Nikita right. Koloff and Ric Flair. Rick Flair got Nikita up in the vertical suplex. And there is, there is some exposure going on during that time. We'll talk more about that, later, maybe on next week's podcast. But I'm telling you, Chris, I have got to ask Tommy Young, you know what, you know <laughs> what happened during that spot because I'm telling you, man, wow. that was uh, a <laughs> and, and and I, it was very nonchalant. He like very like was no big deal. He just put it back in and we're going about your day. But uh, man, right, Tommy's got some great stories. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to have him on the show.
0: Man, I I was excited when you said you talked to him at the at the show in Lenore and where he to come on the podcast. All of a sudden when you said that, Tony, all of a sudden like Starcade came in my mind, Great American Bash on Tour, Flair, the, all the the, the the title match, it goes on and on and I'm like, I mean <laughs> it'd be strategic, but we're gonna hear we're gonna hear what it was like inside the ropes in that squared circle, you know, if it was the main event match, he was the referee. Oh yeah, war games, everything else.
1: Yeah, anything majorly that happened in the NWA from nineteen eighty three to, to, well, to the close of it. Tommy was there. He was the he was the uh, number one referee. He, I can't remember how many times that he was a uh, referee of the year, even being dubbed as the sliding referee. Uh, but man, I, I I don't think there'll ever be another referee like Tommy Young. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think the closest one. Uh, this day and age, would, would it be a little nature? I'm talking about Charles Robinson.
0: I, I would say he would be the closest. I mean, but, you know, the, the referees that you see today and, and even some that are still trying to come up through the ranks, if, if you're smart and you want to be a referee in the business, you turn on some old N, NWA matches that Tommy Young refereed, and you sit there and watch, and you'll learn a, a whole lot if you just focus on him. And, and not the wrestlers in the ring. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, just, just like just his facial expressions, his body mm-hmm. expressions, the way he would sell sell moves. And then he would, he would, uh, I liked how he used to push Ric Flair and then he'd run mm-hmm. and then he'd run and hide behind Dusty or Nikita or Magnum, or whoever was yep. the, the adversary. But, uh, man, just it's great. So I'm, I'm excited. And left
0: handed as well, right? Left handed, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, which usually is not the norm. I mean, usually right. most of the referees are right-handed. Tommy was unique, but mm-hmm. man, if, if you want to talk about someone that was in it at the pinnacle of the NWA title changing and the, and you know, the, the war games and the horsemen and he was the man.
1: Yeah. He, so he was, it he was so, there. So like I said, fans in a few weeks, I'm not sure the date, I got to check his schedule in hours, but we hope to have Tommy on our show here in the next few weeks. So, Make sure you tune in for that. Well, guys for, uh, for me uh, and Chris, uh, I'd like to thank you for joining, uh, joining our show, listening in. And, uh, we look forward to next week's show. And, uh, Chris, you have anything before we go off the air? Man.
0: No, just thanks everyone for listening. You know, stay tuned, Tony. I think this year, 2022 is going to be a banner year for the Ben's buster show. Cannot wait. I know you're going to have the guests lined up and, um, we're hunkered down now, but we're going to get out of this thing. And, uh, It's going to be a banner year on all levels in 2022.
1: It's going to be great, fans, so make sure you tune in. Well, for Chris, I'm Tony. We'll see you next week here on The Binge Buster Show.
0: Thank you for listening to The Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.